standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here, here to tell you about this week's Sunday Chops. Now, before I get started on this one, I should just tell you, you are lucky, lucky beggars, because there are two portions of chops for your hungry ears today. The other chops out today is the second part of our fertility series, in which Mick and I chat to self-titled fat fertility expert Nicola Salmon. But back to this particular chops, in which I am chatting to Abby Ellen, a journalist and author of the brand new book, Duped, Double Lives, False Identities, and The Con Man I Almost Married, which was published this week. I chat to Abby about the personal story that inspired the book and indeed a personal experience of my own. We talk about what drives people to become con men or women, you know, we're all for gender equality here, about the impact of lies on the people they're told to and about how society perceives the people that are unfortunate enough to get caught up in this murky business. The book is ridiculously entertaining considering the subject matter is actually fairly serious but also I had a fantastic time chatting to Abby, so I really hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. I'm chatting to Abby Ellen, journalist and author of the new book, Duped, Double Lives, False Identities and the Con Man I Almost Married. It's quite an exciting name for a book, Abby. Thanks very much for <laughs> chatting to us. I'm glad you like it. Thank you. The title sort of gives the game away a little bit in terms of what this book is about. It's obviously based on a personal story. Can you tell us a bit about that? It was very much based on a personal story. That would be the, the con man I almost married in question. <laughs> um, he, I was engaged to a man, this is about six years ago, seven years ago, who turned out to be a pathological liar with a crazy imagination who had done all sorts of heroic things in his head <laughs> none of them were true i am reading the book at the moment and it's it's fantastic but for our Thank listeners a, a couple of examples of the kind of sure well you know it's interesting actually because he was a doctor for real and he was in the navy for real mm -hmm. so that really did happen and he was working on a big project in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's true. He was in private practice in, in, in California before I met him. And he had two kids and all of that. So that was all true. But he had made it out like he was James Bond, like he was doing all these, you know, fabulously heroic activities. And None of them were true. He had never been a Navy SEAL, for example. He said he was. He told me he had worked for the CIA. Well, what he didn't tell me is that he had been married twice before. Mm. Once to a woman I knew about, once to another woman before that. And he also didn't tell me that he was engaged to another woman at the same time he was engaged to me. He left her one day. They were together in, in living together in Florida. And he told her that he had to go off on a secret mission. And he would contact her when he returned. And the secret mission was Operation Abby. And he never returned. So she never knew what happened to him. And I didn't know that he had actually, you know, proposed marriage to another person while we were together. So, yeah, those were some of the things that I learned about this person. I also didn't know that he was a drug addict. Yes. So that is sort of integral to yeah. what actually <laughs> went on in the end, what you later discovered about him. I didn't want to reveal too much. Let's, yeah, let's not reveal too much because it, it is a story well worth reading and there are some twists and, twists and turns, shall we say. But did you ever have any sympathy for him with the sort of revelation that, you know, then came out that he was a drug addict? Did you feel like, you know, addicts do desperate things? Did you ever feel like, oh, maybe he did what he did out of desperation? 
I did, actually. I did and I didn't. So when I read it, I was just struck by, well, this man's crazy. He's a pathological liar. Yeah. It didn't actually occur to me yeah. when I was reading it that I should have any sympathy for him and wonder if he did the things he did out of desperation because he was an addict. It didn't actually occur to me until just now. And you know what? I don't think he did those things. I think the guy's certifiable. I mm. think he's out of his tree. So yeah. I don't. I don't believe, I think... The drug addiction sort of augmented his craziness, but I don't think that that was the, the cause of it. I don't believe it. Sure. I think he's he's got this, like I talk about him as being sort of a Walter Mitty character, mm. and I think he was. So basically this thing has happened to you. Obviously it's, it's a pretty awful thing to happen because you basically discover that you're you're living a lie. Why did you write this book? I got out. I left this person after a year. Mm. I said there's something wrong here. And I can't verify anything and I just can't live like this. You know, mm. I'm a journalist. I, but I wrote the book because it wasn't until a year and a half later when I got a phone call mm -hmm. from a special agent who was investigating this guy that I discovered all of, you know, that nothing he had told me was true and that he was an addict and he was forging signatures, including me. I, mm. He was getting drugs under my name. So what I wanted to do then was, was understand people like this and understand my own responsibility and understand people who have double lives and understand people who are pathological liars. And I wanted to know if there was any way to detect this because my situation was, was terrible and traumatic and, and, and awful, but it was only a year, mm. right? At least the actual, you know, the aftermath was longer. But then there are people who've been living these lives for years. You hear about this all the time. You know, people who have 20-year-long marriages and find out their husband had, a, had another family down the road, right? Or somebody who faked their own death. And how do you make sense of that? Mm. And how do you go on and can you ever recover? So that is why I wrote the book, because I was fascinated by it. And I also was curious how people get over it. I just think it's very interesting. First up, you said you wanted to understand your own responsibility. Did you feel yeah. responsible in any way? Yeah, because I think I have a chapter called I Knew But I Didn't Know. Yeah. And I think I think that sums up the way most people are. There's a, there's a suspicion that something is not right, and you don't know what it is, but you know something's off. But you don't want to listen to it. You don't want that to be the case, yeah. and so you push that little voice down. It's It's kind of what's betrayal blindness. It's to your benefit not to see this because mm. your whole life will be uprooted and unmoored. So I knew something was off with this guy the first time I met him. But because nothing was verifiable, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Very interesting that so many liars lie about their exploits in the military and in the CIA and on these undercover, probably MI6, you know, these undercover activities that are not verifiable to the average person. Mm. And so therefore, you don't know if they're lying or not. And, and nothing he said was verifiable so I couldn't question my suspicion but I knew something was off I just knew it was off and my mother would kept saying to me it's too bad you can't call his ex-wife and ask her what the story was mm. because he had been he had been in private practice in, in a lucrative practice in Los Angeles and she didn't understand why anybody would give that up it didn't make sense to her you know yeah. if it had been a story that I was writing I would have fact-checked it but I didn't want to do that that didn't seem like a loving way to start a relationship no you know obviously you ended the relationship and then you didn't find out the full extent to what had gone on until a little bit later how did you feel about that when i found out what really happened i was elated because it was like i don't know if you watch homeland there but yeah. there was that scene where carrie matheson finds out that brody really was a bad guy yeah you know and she says i was i was right 
And that's how I felt. I was like, oh, I was right. And, then, and so I was elated. It was, it was terrific. But the time leading up to that was not good at all. And it was, it was depressing because I wanted to change my life. I was living in New York and I was, had moved to Washington to go to school, actually, mm -hmm. to go get my, another degree at Johns Hopkins um, in international relations. But part of the reason I went there also was because I was in this relationship and, and we were living together there. So I was really trying to change my life. And it, it was very depressing to me that that didn't happen. It didn't happen the way I, I wanted mm -hmm. it to or thought it was going. I think I've changed my life significantly since then. But mm -hmm not in that way that I wanted. And so it was very depressing. And I kept going back and forth in my head saying, God, am I just this terrible mistrusting person? I don't, I don't, you know, maybe he really is who he says he is. And I'm just this suspicious witch. <laughs> and, and I kept going back and forth in my own head about what, what I did wrong. And was I too inquisitive? And did I ask too many questions? And I didn't trust him. And should I have and all of that? Hello, Hannah here, constant interrupter. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. I'm not sure it's ever particularly useful to draw comparisons, but one of my favourite books is The Psychopath Test by John Ronson. I think it's fantastic and it's actually surprisingly funny considering the subject matter. And your book is also <laughs> surprisingly, you know, in, in places surprisingly funny, but also absolutely fascinating. So this guy, I mean, it, it seems like there's some stuff going on, shall we say, for this guy. What did you find out about the people that do this kind of thing what can make a person lie in in this way and, and lead these kind of double lives because it's not always necessarily for like financial gain no no they're usually brilliant they're usually really really smart really quick mm. really creative profoundly insecure and they think that they're smarter than other people and that they can get one over on them, mm. and they enjoy doing that. That's general. Then there are some people who are just out of their minds, and they can't, mm -hmm. they can't help it. But a lot of people who lie are not psychopaths and not sociopaths, and we like to think they are, but they're not necessarily. Mm -hmm. A lot of them really know what they're doing, and they're just having fun. They're just having fun at someone else's expense. But is that not, by definition, a sociopath you know to lack the empathy that would stop you from behaving in that way because sure we could all have a bit of a laugh yeah of course there's a spectrum right that you could have 20 characteristics mm -hmm. of a psychopath you know or or 15 out of 20 and you would be an almost psychopath right so you know there are degrees of it i've met people who who i think believe their own lies so i don't know if that makes them psychopathic necessarily mm. If it makes them delusional, makes them perhaps psychotic, but I don't know if that makes them a psychopath. Yeah. The book is quite interesting to me because I recently had an experience where I dated a man who is very similar to what you sort of write about in the book. I knew, but I didn't know. I, I knew this guy was so full of shit. It was so obvious to me that he was lying about a, a, any number of things. But I kind of thought, well... I sort of know he's lying and it's not serious. So I sort of feel like I'm in control of the situation. I know he's lying. Therefore, he doesn't pose a threat to me. Little did I know that when I eventually got like really suspicious about this guy and started like doing a yeah. bit of digging, 
he had basically, it transpired, conned women across multiple continents out of like hundreds of thousands of pounds. Oh, he did that. Yeah. He was one of, oh, it was interesting. crazy. And, did no, you give I didn't. him money? No, had no, you given him money? no. I had Good. not, and I and I did not. And all of the times he's taken money off these women, there's nothing they can do about it because they voluntarily gave him that money. They gave it. Like, they no did. one really cares yep. whether or not his mum really was dying of cancer and he had to go home and he really needed the money they gave him for that flight. The authorities don't really care yep. about that. I don't know how far you are into the book, but there's that whole section about rape by fraud, which is really mm. interesting. And there was a case in England about it where somebody was misrepresenting herself. She said she was a man and she was blindfolding this woman and they were having sex. So this one woman here in the States, she's like, yeah, it, this should be a crime and misrepresenting, mm. tending that your mother's sick when she's not or whatever. She thinks that should be a form of sexual assault. I don't know. But the truth is, there is, as you say, there is no mechanism in place to report these mm. kind of crimes, th th these kind of transgressions. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. So this guy cons mm. you out of money and you give it to him willingly. That's a well. What are you going to do? You think that you're dating a, you know, a rock star. And in fact, he's, he's a plumber and he didn't tell you that. And you're going to bed with somebody who you think is one thing and he's something else. Should that be illegal? You know, it's so interesting. Again, I, 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 and I'd like to say yes, but then where exactly, do you draw the line? And that's, I think that sort of plays in on the whole kind of victim blaming thing. It absolutely should be a crime that you lie to someone and get them to give you money. And but like that should be a crime. I totally agree with that. Because that's fraud, isn't it? Like that would be a it would be a crime if you'd done that under other circumstances, you know, like in the financial sector or whatever. Like there are scenarios in which that is a crime. So of course, like I agree, it should be a crime. I think part of the problem of that is some situations are deemed to be like, well, you brought it on yourself by being an idiot, right? But what's being an idiot? Exactly, because I mean, these people are good at what they do. Like they're good at what they do, and they you and you we don't expect people to lie to no. us like that we don't expect to be manipulated yeah okay? and like you know when you think about it like that's his job that's how he earns a living he's made it his business to be good at right. it so it was really odd and i think one of his things was that he thought he was really smart and he thought he was getting away with it and i think he kind of got a kick out of it proving how smart he was and yet he was so obviously just full of shit interesting do you think he was psychopathic I don't know. I think he certainly had a lot of emotional problems. Traits. Like, yeah, yeah, I would I think he had traits, yeah. Got plans for Valentine's Day? No, me either. Actually, that's a lie. I do. And those plans are moving to a new location as of February the 14th in London. We will be at King's Place near King's Cross. And we will be hosting the fantastic Dame Claire of Balding and the excellent Sarah Pascoe. Tickets are on sale now, so, you know, get them quickly because they are going to sell like baked goods that are warm. Get yourself over to www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue where you can find out about this and all of our other excellent shows. So basically what happened was like he had lived in mm -hmm. L.A. at some point and then he lived in New York. And I think he basically had to leave New York 
because shit got really real for him, basically. He stole a bottle of perfume off me, right? And I was kind of like, I'm pretty sure he stole a bottle of my perfume. And that is sort of in itself quite unsettling. So anyway, what I found out about him is basically that he's dating all these women in New York. He's taking money off all of these women and he's done it in Australia. He's done it in Europe. He's done it in LA. He's done it like all over the place. And then basically this woman had written some post about him on Instagram saying like, who is this man? He's a bit sketchy, blah, 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 blah. And then basically what happens is all of these women who eventually start like, who is this guy? I feel weird about him and start sort of doing a bit of digging, find this Instagram post. And then there were like 500 comments on it from various different people who were like, I dated this man, he took $10,000 off me, or I dated this man, he did this, blah, 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 blah. And I was a bit like, oh shit, this is this guy. Oh, I've got to get out of this situation. And I'd said to him, like, you know, about the perfume thing, I'd said to him, like, did you move some perfume in my bathroom? <laughs> I didn't want to say, like, have you taken perfume from my bathroom and he really kicked off like he was really he was like i'm so offended that you'd ask me that why would i take your perfume that would be crazy right. blah 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 and he was, so i'm reading all of these comments about him on this instagram post and then there's this bit where they're like hey did he steal from you like other stuff from your apartment too and then all of these women were like <laughs> yeah he took a bottle of my perfume and then all these other ones are like, yeah, me too. Oh, and he took this like fruit bowl and he took like this and that and blah, blah, blah. Like weird stuff, like funny little trophies or whatever you'd call them. But yeah, absolutely bonkers, bonkers stuff. And, and it's cr and it's crazy yeah. making, right? It's absolutely yeah, crazy. Yeah, because you're making. like, I know this because... is nonsense, but you're right. able to sort of right. convince me. So we were mm. living together. Then I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I left, you know. And a few months later, he told me that we needed to get rid of the apartment because the Navy needed it. That the Navy was paying for the apartment and the Navy needed it. One night I was driving by the apartment. This was in Washington, D.C. I was driving by it and the light was on. And so I called him. I said, are you back in the apartment? He said, yeah, it was a comedy of errors. I moved everything out and put it all in storage and then... The Navy's decided that I needed to stay, and so I moved everything back. And I, by this time, we were done, and I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm, I got to check this out. So I called him. I said, I need to get something. I think I have a few items there. And he said, okay. And I went up with him to the apartment, and everything was exactly as it was mm. when I had left. I mean, down to a sliver of soap in the soap dish. And I said to him, you never moved. And he looked at me and he said, yes, I did. And I thought, this is insane. This is, this, this, I mean, and that's when I thought this guy is not, this is not psychopathic. This is delusional. Yeah. This is absolutely somebody who must believe his own, he must believe his own stories because he didn't. And then I thought, okay, maybe I'm, maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering, you know, you just doubt mm -hmm. yourself. That's gaslighting. And it, it, it. It just makes you question everything. And that's what happened to you. It's terrible. When, do you, what do you, when these people have these responses, right? So when you do confront someone and these people have these yeah. responses, do you think they have them stored up? Do you think they have them planned already? Or do you think they are just like able to just reel something off? It's Lance Armstrong. Yeah, well, it's, he's it's a Lance fascinating it's, it's, example. They, they go on the yeah. attack. He is. He went mm. on the attack. All he did was deny, 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 attack, attack, attack. That's what Harvey Weinstein did. 
that is what they do. That's what this guy, mm. my guy did. They just deny and attack. You know, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And so anybody else has the problem, not them. And I think that's their defense mode. That's what they do. They go on the defense and on the offense. It's not even that it's stored so much. It's that it's just the first instinct is, no, uh, you are all wrong and I am right. And that's Mm. the way it is. They never waver, then no one can confront them. So it's so interesting, but obviously uh, (laughs) not great if you wind up with one of these people. Well, I think about the um, spy cops in Mm -hmm. England, in the UK. I have been fascinated and obsessed with that for years and was trying to to interview some of the the Mm. women and nobody wanted to talk. It was really interesting. I said, you can be Mm -hmm. anonymous, please. I, I don't need your real name. They didn't want to talk. I guess they felt like the media had done a number on them. I don't know what it was. But, you know, to to live like that and to just not and to be manipulated by somebody you trust, but then beyond even that, be manipulated by the mm. state is just so it's creepy, it's unsettling, it's unmooring, it's despicable. We This is not the way we are supposed to be behaving. Mm. And, you know, that's always been my other thing, is how does one move on after that kind of Well, I mean, that was, that was going to be my next question, really. What is the impact okay. of this kind of behavior on a person? I don't feel like a victim. Mm. I don't, I, I'm not, I mean, that's, you know, you said that the, you thought the book was funny, and, and I'm glad, because that mm. was my intent. And, and... I'm not a victim. I was victimized. I was in a I was in a bad situation. I got out. It wasn't that long and I had some responsibility for it. And I have to take that responsibility. I don't think mm. you ever get over that. I I think but you learn to be smarter. And you learn to be smarter in your choices. And I'm conflicted. I've always been conflicted about relationships as as I talk about in the book. You know, I, I, you know, it would be nice to have a partner, but I'm really fine Mm. on my own too. You know, I have a really good life. I travel around the world. I do Mm. whatever I want. So that's really great. So I think at this point, if I'm not ever in a relationship again, I could live with that and that would be okay. And if I am in a relationship again, it would be, it's something that would have to go really slowly and really get to know the person and, you know, their family and their people. And I can't say that I wouldn't do serious investigative research (laughs) on them beforehand. You'd phone the ex-wife this time, huh? (laughs) From the work that you've done and the research that you've done for this book, presumably you spoke to other people who had been impacted in maybe more, I don't want to say more serious, but perhaps like the really bad stuff had happened to them because they hadn't gotten out. What kind of impact does that leave on them? Some of them haven't moved on. Some of them absolutely mm. have not because moved on. Because how do you trust someone? They can't move on. Because how do you trust somebody? Because you can't you can't mm. trust somebody. And yeah, I know I know I know a lot of people feel similarly to that, you know, they have a good life and they feel like it's okay. And it's funny because I've talked to women who've been deceived and I've talked to men who've been deceived by mm. women. So it's not that one gender no. has a lock on this. You know, we are all capable of deceit, maybe not to the extent of these people that you and I knew. But it's it's funny. I talked to one woman and she said, you know what? I was in this situation and he was a bad guy. That's not a reflection on me. He was just mm. a bad guy. And I'll find someone else who's not. So people have different approaches mm. to it. I think that's the way you trust is to... Really move slowly. We have to figure out what we're mm. comfortable with. And trust, right? I guess, trust your own instincts more. Like a person that, that, you know, your instincts are there to protect you. So, Well, that's the big mm. takeaway. That's the big takeaway. Always trust your gut. Always, always, always. If something feels right. I think that's probably the most thing, is the most important lesson 
that I got is my gut is really pretty good. Mm. And you have to trust your gut and you have to listen to it. One of the interesting things was I was having a conversation with one of my friends about this. And I said, I have always had this idea that my instincts are bad. But my instincts aren't bad. I'm just bad at listening to them because they are inconvenient. Right. That's because you mm. don't want to you don't want to see them yeah. for whatever reason. Don't want to overhaul mm. your life. If you find out, you know, let's say you're working with somebody, you have a colleague and you know that they're stealing money. Like maybe it's your boss. And if you rat on them, well, maybe that's going to affect your job. And so you don't want to do that. Right. Maybe, you know, it's going to affect your future or you find out that your husband, your wife is having an affair with somebody else and you have three mm. kids with them and a, and a mortgage and a house and whatever. And you don't want to lose all that. So it's to your benefit not to see it or mm. it feels like it. So it's to your benefit not to listen to your gut. So you, you question your gut. I think young women need to learn how to trust their yes. instincts. Yeah. I really do. No, I agree. Absolutely, yeah. Because also, like, you know, it, the, the whole gaslighting thing, and it's the same point. You need to know how to trust your instincts. You need to know that if it feels bad, it probably is. That's exactly what it is. If it feels bad, it probably is. And just listen to yourself and don't do anything that you don't want to do. Hello, Mickey here. Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure, but I just thought, as you're having such pleasure listening, you might be up for helping us out in making more content that champions women. That's easy to do. You can just bob along to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash standard issue, and any spare bunch you might have found in your pocket down the back of the sofa, feel free to chuck it to us. Much obliged. So you touch on this in the book as well, the idea that people sort of, well, why didn't you notice? Why do you think people react in that way? Do you think they're uncomfortable that basically something like this could really happen to anyone? Yes, I think that's exactly what it is. I think they don't want to think that this can happen to them. This is also why they, they, you know, we like to diagnose everybody who lies like this and say that's their, you know, some crazy person, some psychopath or whatever we don't want to acknowledge that it could just be that anybody has this ability really whether they tap into it or not is, is a separate issue but i think that we look down on people because we think they're stupid and they're gullible and they're believing and they're they're just not smart and think about the names we use you're a sucker we we just have such disdain for people this is i don't know what it's like over there but in the states dr phil i don't know if you know, know him, the name but yeah he's on tv and he's always you know, he's always having these stories and the audience just, you know, he's kind of, how could you give this man who you never met a hundred thousand dollars? I mean, that you met online because he promised you a rose. We think it's ridiculous, but I also think it's that we think we're above it and it would never happen to me. It would never, I would never be in that situation until I am. Yeah. Uh, that's a comforting thought for us all. I'm sure. <laughs> it's, <laughs> beware. Just oh. be wary. I think a little bit of healthy skepticism is good. I agree. Don't let it ruin your life, you know. Abby, thank you so much for chatting to us. Your book, Duped, is published in the UK on January the 15th, published by Piacus Little Brown, and I assume will be available from all good bookstores online and, indeed, the high street. Where can we find you, Abby, if we wish to tell you horrific stories about horrific people or just find out more about what you're up Please, please, the more horrific, the better. <laughs> please, you can find me at Twitter, at Abby Ellen, A-B-B-Y-E-L-L-I-N. And then I have a website, which is very interestingly named, abbyellen.com, and I would love to hear okay. from anybody. Abby, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much, Jen.
standard issue for all women.